From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Monday edition, more devastating tornadoes hit nearly a dozen states this weekend, claiming at least 33 lives and leaving massive destruction in their wake. Luther Harrison with Samaritan's Purse will join us a little bit later with a call for prayer and help. Former President Trump is in New York City, where he will appear before a judge tomorrow on an indictment that remains sealed. If you're an American and you're concerned about rule of law, there should be no scenario where you want this to happen, because we all know, and if you're intellectually honest, we all know that had Donald Trump not been Donald Trump and was John Smith, this case never would have been brought. That was Joe Tapakina, the president's uh, attorney. Given uh, even the president's critics, they see this as political. Based on what we know, it certainly appears to be, and I think the American people see that. It's the very essence of uh, the abuse of the prosecutor function, which is pursuing a person rather than pursuing a, a real crime. That was former Attorney General Bill Barr on Fox News Sunday. We're going to talk about it. Also, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a member of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, joins us to probe deeper into last week's explosive hearing. Our lawsuit has uncovered a censorship enterprise that spans numerous government institutions and all major social media platforms. And that censorship enterprise has been widely successful in achieving its goals. That was Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry testifying before the committee last week about what his lawsuit has uncovered. Well, Democrats are amping up the political pressure on Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville as the senator has gone on the offense to protect the unborn and the rule of law. The senator from Alabama continues to hold and continues his hold on more than 180 now promotions, military promotions, blatantly ignoring many warnings of the harm he is causing to our national security. It's reckless. It's just reckless. Yesterday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin warned that blocking these promotions, quote, creates a ripple effect through the force that makes us far less ready than we need to be. Now, now what happened to the outrage when the 8,000 members of our military were driven out because they didn't have a COVID shot? Of course, that was Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer pontificating on the Senate floor at the end of last week. We'll get the latest on this battle for life from South Dakota Senator Mike Rounds. And just a reminder, don't believe everything you hear. I can tell you that the president doesn't regret the, the way that we uh, handled the first balloon. Really? Well, that was John Kirby with the White House back in February. Well, now reports out today say the Chinese spy balloon that floated over the U.S. for several days before it was finally shot down collected significant, sensitive military data. We're going to talk about that. We also have China making threats about Wednesday's meeting between the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen. We'll get the latest from Grant Newsham. He is the senior, senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you. Our word for today comes from Ezekiel 12, verses 22 and 23. Son of man, what is this proverb that they have in the land of Israel, saying that the day grows long and every vision comes to nothing? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to this proverb 
and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say to them, the days are near in the fulfillment of every vision. God's mercy and patience were interpreted as indifference or even approval of their sin. Now, this is the danger of being exposed to the truth of God, but not listening. Hearts become calloused and sin becomes more grievous as those advancing in morality say, God hasn't done anything. The sky hasn't fallen. Well, Peter addresses that in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. The indictment of former President Donald Trump and his arraignment tomorrow in a Manhattan courthouse has many asking, is America slipping toward being a banana republic where those in power use their power to keep their power? You know, no one is above the law, but using the judicial system to target political opponents instead of prosecuting crime is not only a misuse of the judicial system, it's un-American. Abuse of power was among the many factors that led House Republicans to establish the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Now, how should this subcommittee respond to such abuses? Well, join me now to discuss this and much more. Congressman Mike Johnson, he serves on the House Judiciary Committee, including its subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government and the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, great to be with you as always. So uh, instead of prosecuting criminals, it appears the Manhattan attorney, uh, the Manhattan prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, is targeting a political opponent. What does this say about the integrity of our judicial system? Well, it's in great jeopardy right now, and it's a, a true and real concern to all of us, and it should be to all Americans, uh, regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump as an individual. Th this is a perversion of our system, and when you see uh, a district attorney like this, of this stature, in, in America's largest city, using his office to go after a political opponent, um, it, it really makes people question the veracity of the system overall. And that's, that's a real concern in a constitutional republic like ours. So, so Mike, his attorney said that, you know, if, if this were, uh, you know, Joe Smuckatelli, uh, this would not even be a thing. Your, no, your response? No, it, it would not, of course. Everybody has heard by now that these charges are pretty bogus. Even in a best-case scenario, they would be misdemeanors, and so... The Alvin Bragg, the DA there, is trying to bootstrap them to felony charges to make this whole case. Uh, but it doesn't hold any water. Remember that federal prosecutors who don't like Donald Trump have already reviewed these charges, and they said it was uh, just too far removed. It'd be too difficult, too novel of a case to even try. But Alvin Bragg um, has ignored all of that, and he's going to do it anyway. I don't. Why? Because he wants to be famous? Because he wants to be the center of attention? I think ultimately, Tony, what they have calculated, the, the left and you know, they're controlling Alvin Bragg, because remember, he was Soros-funded. That's how he got there. They've made a calculation that by maybe elevating Trump in this way would energize the base, which it is, and probably ensure that he gets the nomination on the Republican side again. And then they calculated, Tony, I think, that they can beat him in the general election. I'm not so, so this, sure about that. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree with you. I think this could, could backfire them. But I, I, I do believe that is a, a proper evaluation of their political calculation. But, you know, this, this man, Donald Trump, is probably the most probed individual on the planet. I mean, think, during his uh, last two years, I mean, there were um, actually during the time that the, the Democrats held Congress, there were 50 probes into Donald Trump and his administration. I mean, we remember Russiagate, the Mueller investigation, all of these things. 
impeached twice, and nothing came of it. Well, that's right. And I served on both of those impeachment defense teams in the House. Uh, we knew that those were bogus charges. Remember, they've been after Donald Trump since he uh, famously came down that golden escalator back in uh, early 2016, whenever that happened. Um, they, they wanted to impeach him before the man even took office. And so they hate him and they hate what he stands for. And as somebody said, I think very aptly this week, I can't remember if maybe Mark Levin or somebody like that, noted that Donald Trump really isn't even an individual anymore. I think Glenn Beck said it. He, he is a symbol. He's a symbol of so many millions of American people who feel like they're being left behind by the government, who feel like they're, they're looking at a two-tiered system of justice now, who feel like yeah. uh, that, that their rights are being trampled upon. And you know what? In so many cases, Tony, they're exactly right. Yeah, I can, I can assure you, Mike, that had he governed the way he's been accused of living, we wouldn't have any of these lawsuits or any of these uh, crimes being uh, suggested because the left would have loved him. That's the problem. Yeah. He 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 ruled there. He uh, he led like a conservative. His administration was conservative. And that is what they detest. That, that's that's exactly right. And he speaks for the common man. I can tell you in my district in Louisiana, we're all home in our districts this week. And uh, we're talking with folks and doing town halls and being at events. I'm telling you, people are irate about this. They feel like, as you noted at the outset of the program, that, you know, the, the system of justice is being slanted and used for political purposes. And they're opening Pandora's boxes here, Tony, that are going to be yeah. very difficult for us to close. And that's that's the concern going forward. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, once you once you pierce the veil and you move into territory you've never been before, you'll go again. And what we're doing is we're tearing down the guardrails that have kept this republic in between the ditches, you know, for 245 years. And I'm, I'm very concerned that, you know, we're setting new precedents, new standards. Well, we're in uncharted waters as a nation. There's no question about it. And, and those new uh, new barriers are, are uh, mowed down new ones every day. And, and so we're testing the, the limits of our of our republic. And there are certain foundations that you must maintain. And the people's faith in the system of justice is about the most essential of those. And and so, you know, because if people don't trust the system, Tony, they, they look to resolve their disputes on their own. And that yeah. ultimately leads to chaos and anarchy. Right. We have to have the rule of law. That's why this is so very important. Well, I want to move quickly to one of the elements of that, the, the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. The hearing last week uh, exposing the federal government working to basically violate the First Amendment speech rights of Americans. We have overwhelming direct evidence that the Biden administration is using federal agencies in a whole of government approach to censor and silence conservative viewpoints, viewpoints that they disagree with. And we brought in the attorneys general of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, as you, as you noted, and, and uh, Eric Schmidt, who was the former attorney general of Missouri, now a U.S. senator. And they testified about their litigation, which is still ongoing, by the way, um, Missouri v. Biden. And they, they've had a ton of discovery and depositions and, and, and documents that they've been able to subpoena and gather. And it, it tells the story, Tony. We laid that out for the American people to see for themselves. There's no question about it. They first coerced and then they colluded directly with the big tech platforms, at least 20 officials in the White House itself, to censor and silence uh, conservatives online. And, and that happened. It is an objective fact. We've got to go forward and make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. How do we do that? 
Well, it's a great question. You know, we're, we're the House of Representatives. We have the majority. Republicans have the majority in just one House of Congress right now. We're using every tool in our toolbox. One is oversight. That's the hearings that you're seeing every every week, every almost every day now. We're, we're laying out the facts for the American people to see it. Ultimately, the legislative purpose is to take what we learn and create legislative fixes to make sure the safeguards are in place so that this can't happen again. They can't weaponize all these agencies of the federal government. And ultimately, Tony, the, the big power that we have, of course, is the power of the purse. So it, it is likely, I think, increasingly likely that some of these agencies are not going to be able to just take all the taxpayer funding they want and go and do these uh, these things. If they can't respect the Constitution, then we have to bring them to heel. And I, I mean right. that literally. And sometimes you got to use the power of the purse to do it. Well, that's the only really tool that you have at present because the DOJ is not going to prosecute themselves. It's not the Biden administration will not indict themselves. So, A, we've got to control the purse strings. But very quickly, Mike, it may take an election to get an administration that will actually uphold the rule of law. I think ultimately that's the solution, Tony. 2024 is for all the marbles. We have to get... Uh, common sense conservatives elect. We have to have a majority in the Senate, the House, and the White House, too, or we're not going to fix this. Congressman Mike Johnson, always great to see you. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Thanks, my friend. All right, Congressman Mike Johnson, a member of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Look, we have got to prepare now for these elections coming up and overwhelm any corruption or um, shenanigans that may take place at elections. We, we, every person you know that thinks needs to be registered and voting, casting an informed ballot. All right, coming up next, two weekends in a row, devastating tornadoes hitting the country. We're going to talk with Luther Harrison with Samaritan's Purse next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. All right, the death toll from the devastating tornadoes throughout the weekend continues to rise. The state of Tennessee was the hardest hit, but significant damage also occurred in Alabama, Arkansas, again in Mississippi, Indiana, Illinois, even all the way to Delaware. Now, this is uh, two weekends in a row with heartbreaking weather events. And I I tell you what, with everything currently taking place in our country, we've had these shootings. We've had, uh, you know, this the, the Covenant School in Nashville that was attacked by this transgender uh, girl. And we've had these storms that have taken significant lives. And and, and in fact, our early warning systems, you know, you hear a lot about storms that oftentimes these storms pass a lot of destruction, but not a lot of loss of life. And that's what I think makes these last two weekends stand out. And of course, we've got what's happening with the president. I mean, I, I think this should be causing us to stop and say, Lord, what's going on? And, and we need to be praying. And of course, we need to be responding to to help. I think as as we see more and more of these types of events taking place, we need to be prepared to help our neighbors, whether they're in our own state or the state over. And one of the ministries that does this so well, and you hear them all the time if you're on the program, the Samaritan's Purse, they're already on the ground. In fact, last week we had Franklin Graham on a week ago as they were already on the ground in Mississippi. And so they continue to bring both help and hope to those that have been affected by these storms. Join me now to discuss this in greater detail uh, is Luther Harrison, Vice President of North American Ministries for Samaritan's Purse. Luther, welcome back to the program. Well, Tony, thank you for having us on your program. And again, thank you for getting the word out. It's like uh, most mainstream media it just sort of goes away in a day or two. But uh, there's some long-term impact on these last two weekends of storms. And uh, the weather uh, forecast for tomorrow is more heavy storm damage and maybe could occur in the same location. So our teams are on the ground with these folks, and we're going to be there with them through the battle. Now, Luther, I mean, this is what you do in in large part. You respond to these natural disasters. Am I accurate that these last two weekends have been quite significant, given what we've seen in the past, especially when it comes to the devastation, the level of devastation, the loss of life? It does, and it really brings me back to remember when Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Joplin, Missouri were hit. It's like that's sort of teeing up early in the season, and... uh, I think we may be facing a lot of uh, active storms this season. And as we need to be ready, the church needs to be ready to roll out the door, 
meet people where they are. And Samaritan's Purse, thank goodness, uh, our volunteers continue to support us. Uh, we had a, about a two-week lull when we closed down our Griffin, Georgia response from tornadoes. And then weekend before last, we have now grown to five active disaster responses. And as you mentioned in the Covenant School, our Billy Graham Evangelistic Association chaplains, they're there at that school as well as down in Huntsville, Alabama, where a police officer lost his life and another one is clinging to life from injuries there. So this world, uh, more action, more damage, more devastation, more wicked things happening, but let's continue to be the church as we go out. You know, it's important to note, as you mentioned, the Billy Graham Ministries, they they um, deploy along with Samaritan's Purse, and so they're there to minister to the spiritual needs, and they, they do it quite well. And so let's talk about where you are right now, where you have Samaritan's Purse uh, sites set up and where you need help. Okay, so week before last, we ended up uh, planning our operation in Amory, and then uh, we uh, rolled over to the area of Silver City and Rolling Fork. So we're in the two sites in Mississippi, and then Little Rock, Arkansas from the past weekend of activity, and then Covington, Tennessee, and then up in Sullivan, Indiana. We have five active sites going right now, and uh, just our volunteers are signing up to come out and be the hands and feet of Jesus or the boots and gloves as they go out to uh, serve these families. And uh, some areas, there's the houses totally uh, destroyed, but just helping them search for uh, keepsakes, things that can be recovered, and just ministry of presence. Be there and just uh, support them, help them through this uh, journey, and let them know that God sent this army of volunteers to represent him to minister to them and that the holy spirit's right there beside them working in their hearts hopefully to show them there is hope to come through this storm and and i I should note that you partner with local churches so that as you minister to the needs of people physically and spiritually you can plug them into a local church so uh, how can folks be a part of what you're doing where do they need to go to find out more well go to our website samaritanspurse.org and uh, we would ask Pray for these families. Uh, there's a lot of uh, just pain as they have to go through these valleys and try to recover and figure out what do I do next. Uh, Franklin Graham made a, a commitment that we would replace up to 500 mobile homes in the state of Mississippi as we uh, were dealing with that storm prior to the past weekend storms. And right now, trying to get a, a better assessment on what can we do to help those families permanently in the other three states that we're working in now too. But yeah, these families need our prayers, need financial support. We need volunteers that can come alongside of them and just love on them and help them through this recovery. Yeah, he mentioned that last week and uh, last week when he was on the program. And, and so I'm going to encourage people to go to the Samaritan First website. If you can't volunteer, give money and support. I, I, I'm telling you, there's not a ministry that is more uh, provides greater stewardship and more effectiveness in the ministry that they do. There's many good ones out there, but I, I've worked alongside yes. Samaritan's Purse many times. Uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but you're also still in Turkey dealing with those deadly earthquakes. So you're you're scattered across the globe. Yes, sir. I mean, it's always, I always tell people we can just continue to ramp up. As more storms come, you just uh, start a new project, start a new uh, program, and get more people to get involved. So you can't leave one of these uh, situations until everything's at peace. So uh, it's not who gets there first. It's remembered it's who leaves last. And we want to be those folks that are there uh, after the cameras are gone, helping these families and getting them tied into a local church. There may be more storms coming other than natural disasters for these families. 
and uh, you do that. You are the last ones uh, to turn off the light and leave. Actually, you turn on the light, then you leave because you rebuild for folks. Luther Harrison, thanks so much for uh, joining us. And uh, trust me, you are in my prayers and the prayers of my family. And we're going to encourage folks to stand with you and and, uh, go over to that website and volunteer and go out and help. Thank you. God bless. All right. You know, I'm just going to say it again with what's happening in the world today as we move closer toward the end of time we're going to see more of this jesus warned of it so we need to be prepared and able to minister that's what i love about samaritan's purse and the work that they're doing all right coming up senator tommy tuberville's determination to end the military's illegal abortion policy has brought criticism from senate majority leader chuck schumer all the way to the pentagon brass but Many senators are, st- senators are standing with him, and one of those joins us next. Senator Mike Rounds is here. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Now, I've discussed this uh, quite regularly over the last few weeks, but that is Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. He is fighting back against the Department of Defense and its illegal abortion policy. And I'm telling you what, he's taking a strong stand and he's uh, drawing a lot of critics. You know, he's using his influence as a senator to object to military nominations and promotions until the Pentagon retreats from its determination to expand abortion in the military contrary to federal law. Now, he's not stopping these nominations. They're just slowing the process down. All these things are kind of done by unanimous consent, and they'll throw a whole batch in, and everybody says, okay, we're fine with that. But when you object, it means you have to vote on each one, which 
grinds the Senate to a halt, which quite frankly is productive in my view. The less that comes out of Washington, the better. Well, I think we're witnessing a great example of a pro-life leader using the tools that he has available to pursue priorities of the voters who elected him. And we need to see more of this in Washington, and we need to support elected leaders who take this type of stance. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you a, a, a petition number to text because we've got several thousand, about 30,000 petitions of support. We're going to deliver those to him, and I want you to be able to add your name. But for now, joining us to discuss about discuss this and more is another senator that's standing with him, standing strong, Senator Mike Rounds. He serves on five Senate committees, including the Senate Armed Services Committee. He represents the state of South Dakota. Senator Rounds, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today. Well, I want to thank you for for your stand. You like Senator Tuberville. You have uh, you serve on the Armed Services Committee, and for our viewers and listeners who may not know the details, can you explain the process of how military nominations and promotions work in the Senate? Absolutely. And, and look, first of all, let me just share with you. I do think this nominations process is important because this is what provides for the promotions of all of these separate officers that are members of the armed forces, and we respect them. But it is just as critical that a member of the Senate stand and say, I understand how important these nominations are, but just as important is protecting life and making sure that uh, what you're trying to do in making abortions easier to obtain is wrong, and we've never supported that in the past. And so what happens is, is, is the Armed Services Committee will have a nominations process where literally several hundred to a thousand or more officers who are waiting for their next promotion in rank come through the process. But in addition to that, each of the separate generals is also looked at individually. And when those generals come up for promotion, uh, it's a matter of if you object, you can slow down the process of those individuals, the top, the, the top generals, being promoted and thus being able to take in a new position that's in the order of sequence from the from the Secretary of, of the uh, of Defense down through the um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and then through the separate branches. But what Senator Tuberville has said is, look, this is just as important to us. And if you want these nominations to proceed easily through the Senate, then you need to come and visit with us because what you're doing with regard to abortion and promoting abortion and taking people from state to state this is wrong. We have never supported it, and we're going to stand our ground. And like I say, these promotions are important. That's the reason why this is, is something that we do not do lightly. They could fix it overnight, couldn't they, Senator, just by going back to the policy Absolutely. that was in place? Absolutely. And isn't it interesting that they're criticizing uh, Senator Tuberville when all they have to do is to go back to the way that we've always done this in the past, and we've never paid for abortions, we've never funded it, we've always done our best to eliminate that, and uh, you know, and in this particular case, this administration is pro-abortion, and they are frustrated by the fact that the Supreme Court has stood strong and very clearly laid out that abortion is not protected by the Constitution, and this is their way of acting out. And uh, they think, you know, they think this is an easy way to do it and that everybody's going to kowtow. I commend Senator Tuberville. I think he's made he's made a very morally correct stand. And and um, I just hope, as I've said to some of the press, 
I hope those individuals at the top end of the Department of Defense want those those nominations to go through just as much as we do, and they're prepared to step in and to listen very carefully to what Senator Tuberville is asking of them. You know, Senator Rounds, I, I, I just have a hard time believing them that this is all about military readiness and effectiveness, given the fact that we just went through a period of time where about 8,000 members of our military were pushed out because they wouldn't get a COVID shot. And recruiting is down because of a lot of the woke policy. So there's so much on their end that they could fix by just going back to the status quo of what we had before. You are correct. And they could fix this tomorrow. And the least they could do would be to go to Senator Tuberville and say, "Okay, we understand it. Um, Let's work through this. They're not responding to Senator Tuberville. And he's in the right. What he is saying is, is. You're promoting abortion, and you're doing what you should not be doing. We have never funded it. We've never allowed the Department of Defense to fund it. Uh, And now you think this is an easy way out. You're acting out because of the Supreme Court decision, and he's disagreeing with it, and he's in the right. Well, Senator Rounds, I want to thank you for standing with him and uh, adding your voice to that uh, growing chorus of senators that's saying, not on our watch. So, uh, Senator, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. All right, Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota. By the way, if you'd like to add your name to that uh, petition of support that we're going to deliver to Senator Tuberville, so far I think we're about uh, close to 30,000, text the word PROTECT, PROTECT to 67742. That's 67742, the word PROTECT. This is important that we stand with him and encourage him because he's taking a lot of heat. Or go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, you can add your name there. All right, coming up next, China. That's what we're going to be talking about, so don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Information about all of our guests, contact information where you can uh, find out more. Also, if you'd like to sign that pledge of support to Senator Tuberville, text the word PROTECT to 67742. That's 67742. Or again, you can find it at TonyPerkins.com. Earlier today, NBC News broke a bombshell story that, quote, the Chinese spy balloon that flew across the U.S. was able to gather intelligence from several sensitive American military sites despite the Biden administration's efforts to block it from doing so, end quote. Now, this according to two current senior U.S. officials and one former senior administration official. It also, I mean, this directly contradicts the previous claims of the president. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Colonel Grant Newsham. He is a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policies, retired Marine, who served in the Indo-Pacific for decades, including the in-, in intelligence and liaison roles as a U.S. Foreign Service officer. He covered a number of regions, including East and South Asia. Uh, Colonel, welcome uh, to Washington Watch. Simplify. Oh, so thank you. Very glad to be here today. So what do you make of today's NBC News reports and how it contradicts the messaging of the Biden administration? Oh, I'm not surprised. Uh, The spy balloon was really just one part of a much larger, broader uh, Chinese espionage effort against the United States. Uh, What did stand out, however, was I'm afraid, and I don't take any pleasure in saying it, was the administration's practically incoherent response to it. Uh, Their explanations for what was happening Uh, were contradictory. Uh, You'll note that they said, well, the Chinese didn't really get much from all of this that they wouldn't get from satellites. And now today you see this report uh, like this. And my guess is, and it's unfortunate, that they probably wouldn't have responded at all uh, if some fellow in Montana hadn't looked upwards and taken a picture. Uh, Why? Why um, why would they not have responded? Well, the the administration had a meeting coming up with the Chinese between Secretary Blinken and uh, the Chinese in Beijing, and they wanted that to go through. But also keep in mind uh, that spy balloons have been spotted uh, elsewhere in the last six months or so, uh, off Guam, for example, uh, near and off the United States in Hawaii, near one of our uh, missile range with missile range in Kauai. Also, uh, commercial airline pilots have been reporting balloons since at least six months ago uh, between Hawaii and the West Coast. 
this administration, like and this isn't the first one, uh, they seem right. to want to paper over these sorts of provocations for the so-called larger relationship. Okay, let's talk about that larger relationship for just a moment. So what was to be the subject of this meeting with Secretary Blinken and the, the Chinese? I mean, why would that usurp or eclipse a need or desire to call China out for spying? Oh, the idea being, well, less intentions, lower, lower the temperature, and, and that is just necessarily a good thing. Uh, and really accommodate China, uh, understand their fears, give them what they want is unfortunately pretty much have been U.S. policy for the last 20, 30 years. The Trump administration was the, the exception to that. What, what you just said, it, it sounds like uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Mark Milley. I mean, that's, uh, that's what he wants to do, lower the temperature. He says we shouldn't talk about uh, conflict with China. Um, he said we're not, you know, we're not a war in China. That's, that's not inevitable. We need to stop. We just need to lower the temperature. But at the same time, I mean, it looks like there's a soft invasion going on with uh, Chinese nationals crossing our southern border. Well, that's part of it. Uh, there's been a 30-year war going on against us, being waged by the Chinese. They call it that. Uh, we just choose not to. We uh, do pretend it isn't a war, but to the Chinese it is. A psychological war, economic war, biological war, chemical war, so-called drug war. Uh, cyber warfare to the Chinese. This is part of a spectrum, and it's all warfare intended to weaken us. Uh, to the Americans, we look at war as a, like a hundred yard dash. The contestants go to the start line, shake loose, get in the crouch, and then someone says go. And we think that once the shooting start, that's the war. To the Chinese, it's very different. Uh, as for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, he's been underestimating, underplaying uh, the Chinese threat for a couple of years now seems to think that if you don't talk about the problem, you won't have one. Uh, the Chinese must like uh, hearing this. I'm going to bring out this point that I mentioned about our southern border. Just in the last uh, five months, we've had over 4,000 uh, Chinese undocumented migrants that have been apprehended. That's not counting the ones that got across. That's um, more than what we – it's double than what we saw the entire last year. So there's an increase. What's driving that? Oh, it's partly the, the natural attractiveness of the United States to most people in China, it seems. Uh, even mo most of, mo much of the Chinese Communist Party elite has put a good chunk of their wealth into the United States, uh, into countries like Britain, Australia, Sing uh, um, Canada. And ideally, to get a relative here with a green card. Uh, but partly, this is a wonderful opportunity uh, for, say, Chinese organized crime to get people across the, across the border. Also, the Ministry of State Security. Uh, you get uh, people across. You have a potential platform uh, for spying, uh, espionage, and uh, other um, harmful activity should the time come. So it's a combination of things. I want to go back for a moment to this uh, spy balloon. Based on your experience, what kind of data would the Chinese Communist Party have been looking to collect and why, what might they have gotten? Well, you're, you're, particularly in this case, uh, the balloon seemed to pay particular attention to our missile uh, bases up in the way up north. And if you get the, a clearer picture of the electronic activity, the electronic signatures, I want you, you learn how to evade them, get around them, or to, uh, potentially to uh, decrypt them, understand them. 
and you're getting a better sense of your target. So when the time comes, you can avoid what it's going to do to you, or you can do something to it uh, more clearly. Also, this potentially was helping with targeting uh, for the Chinese missiles. Um, if you can uh, come close enough to a missile silo, say ours, to put it out of action, uh, that has obviously given you a really big advantage. And missile targeting is a, it's, it's an art, and the, the more information you have, uh, the better. And I've heard that this was actually one uh, potential uh, use or activity of, of the spy balloon, as um, improving the targeting of their long-range ballistic missiles so they can come closer uh, to these targets that they want to hit and we don't want them to hit. Now, the Biden administration, you know, when this was uh, floating across the country, said they were able to um, scramble the signals uh, so that they couldn't get through. But now it appears that the report was not accurate, that some of this information, the sensitive information, was, in fact, transmitted back to China. Uh, quite possibly. You know, anytime someone says, eh, nothing to worry about, we've got it taken care of, uh, and not just here, you really ought to have some concerns. Uh, keep in mind, the Chinese are as smart as we are. Uh, too much of our dealings with them have been uh, based on the, the grounds that somehow they're they're just not our equals. Well, they are as smart as us. They may not be as lovable as us, uh, but they are intelligent. And if someone ever told me nothing to I, worry about, well, you know very much there I, probably is something to worry about. I, I would say they're not nearly as naive as we are. Um, not I even think, close. Yeah. I, I think we're very naive when it comes to this. I, I want to go this multifaceted approach. I mean, we've We've got the Belt and Roads Initiative that they are taking across uh, around the globe, building alliances with these other countries. And now we see them coming in behind that, trying to undermine the, the dollar, replacing the dollar in terms of trade. I don't think people realize how significant this is because, you know, being the, the, the currency, the U.S. dollar being the international currency, it allows us to, to basically do what we've been doing that we shouldn't be doing when it comes to our debt and everything else. This, uh, you know, this game of musical chairs could come to an end really quick if China is uh, successful in moving countries like Brazil and others away from the dollar. Well, it really is. Uh, the dollar, the U.S. dollar is the one big lever club we still have to use against China. Uh, the Chinese currency is not freely convertible. And what that means is it's not really usable outside of China. Uh, if you think of it as a high school carnival where you buy a ticket and you can go on the rides and buy cotton candy, but go out of, off the way from the high school and nobody wants it, that's China's problem. Uh, and they have to have convertible currency or else have people accept their, their money. Uh, and that's a tough, a, a tough thing to achieve, but they're trying, as you can see, with the Russians. Uh, the Saudis, the Brazilians, and, and maybe bit by bit, the people will become more willing to use it. And what you're doing is undermining confidence in the dollar. And we're doing our best, of course, in that regard, too, with this spending we've been doing that makes, you know, drunken sailors look responsible. Uh, but this is the last, as I said, the last big club uh, we have to use against them. And one of the great ironies of all of this, you mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative, this Chinese uh, overseas investment campaign to get themselves set up in any number of countries around the world, uh, laying in the infrastructure eventually for the People's Liberation Army to be able to operate. Uh, this is funded with U.S. dollars. Uh, nobody wants to take Chinese money for this. So guess where they get a good chunk of their dollars? Well, they get it from Wall Street. They get it from our business class 
foreign right. investment into China. And so we're funding uh, really our main enemy as they set themselves up around the world to surround us. Uh, that is insane. It, it, it really is. And, and this, isn't, this, is a, this is where I step in and say each of us can play a role in this by what we buy. I know that you're talking about the major investments, but also every time we go into Walmart or we go into these places that traffic in Chinese, cheap Chinese goods, we are, I mean, we're facilitating the Communist Party of China and the, the attack economically, politically, and, and in every other means that they are having on America. No, there really is no other way to put that. Uh, and. One hardly knows what to say. You really can't expect to win if that's what we keep doing, is funding our main enemy. Uh, it would be nice uh, to see actually Wall Street and the business class remember what country's name is on their passports uh, and stop this, you know, on a human rights ground alone. Uh, they're effectively supporting the worst atrocities we've seen in this century. Uh, but it would be good also not to have, see Congress actually step in here uh, and make it very hard um, and not worth their while for country companies and Wall Street to pour this kind of money, this kind of investment into China. Uh, make it so alternatives uh, are more profitable, but also you're probably going to have to use a coercive uh, measures to do that, I'm afraid, it, to get that. It, bec it becomes a national security issue. I mean, you, you, you have to recognize that. It absolutely is. And additionally, if you look at the nature of the Chinese market, uh, where there's no legal system, a contract means nothing more, nothing less than what Xi Jinping says it does. Uh, the Chinese government's avowed goal is to put foreign companies out of business and replace them with uh, Chinese companies. Now, investing in a market like that is, by any measure, it is uh, just corporate malfeasance uh, by the CEO class, the CFO class. It, perhaps some state attorney generals could bring some lawsuits uh, on those grounds, a sort of right. abuse of shareholder interests. But, you know, you, you said something at the start of our conversation about how China, we see war as a, as a hundred-yard dash. They see it as generational. Well, the same thing with our economic, on the economic front. Uh, you know, we want to see what this quarter's earnings are, and so we don't mind if we sell the country short in order to get a return, and so we get a, a bigger golden parachute on our way out the door as a CEO. So I, I think a part of this is we've just... I mean, this is it's unbelievable when you look under the hood or behind the curtain, whatever analogy you want to use to see how significant this selling out is to China politically, economically, on almost every front. Uh, it, it really is. And when the, the history of this is written, assuming we win and writing the history, uh, I think people will be aghast at what they have seen our business class, our financial class do and too much of our political class do. Uh, to sell out this country to China. Uh, we often hear now, well, it's too hard to decouple from China. Uh, well, it wasn't very hard to decouple American workers from their jobs and livelihoods 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're old enough to remember you know, how things were before the great sellout took place. Right. And there's no reason that that had to happen. And so I would suggest that it's no harder to d disentangle from China uh, than it would be uh, than it was to sell us out. Additionally, we are so dependent on them for things like pharmaceuticals, uh, so yeah. key raw materials needed for for our military of all things, uh, and other things that uh, you just cannot continue with this uh, unless it is unless you really want to lose the next war or the the next shooting war. Uh, we're already uh, not faring all that well in the ongoing war. 
Uh, speaking of that, Colonel, very quickly, just got a minute left, but the uh, House Speaker is meeting with the President of Taiwan in California on Wednesday. China is saying there'll be repercussions. What might they do? Well, they always say there's going to be uh, consequences or that we're going to pay for it. Um, well, James Lilly, who was the very well-respected ex-CIA officer, ambassador to China even, uh, he said, well, first the Chinese try to scare you, then they try to bribe you, and after that they're stumped. Uh, it'd be good if we remember that we are the United States of America and we meet with whomever we want. Uh, what would China actually do? Uh, they're not likely to start a, a shooting war anytime. They might turn up the heat on Taiwan a bit like they did last August, uh, shooting missiles against it and bringing their uh, Navy into, into play as well. Um, but they have, they're limited in what they can actually do. And it'd be nice if we remember that we have some cards to play as well. Uh, you mean grow a backbone? Well, that never hurts. Uh, pull the People's Bank of China's license for six months and say, well, we don't know why. We're just doing it. That's a natural thing yeah. to do. Uh, so we Colonel, have things to do, but the backbone would help. Colonel, we're out of time. Uh, Colonel Newsom, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, great to see you, and uh, thanks for the insight that you've offered today. My pleasure. I very much appreciate the opportunity, sir. All right. Uh, Colonel Grant Newsom with the Center for Security Policy. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Lord willing, we'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, let me leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. Seven two three four.